welcome to this episode of All Things Eisen. It's Jules, and I'm going to be sharing about what I love and hate regarding learning Icelandic. To be fair, love and hate are very strong words to describe how I feel, but of course, it's just in terms of title-wise, kind of incompetent. It kind of helps to frame it, but just take those words with a big grain of salt. I don't absolutely love learning Icelandic. I, you know, enjoy it for sure. And I definitely don't hate it. Otherwise, I would not continue to put myself through some of the frustrating things. <laughs> but, you know, there are just certain parts of, I think, any process that you enjoy and then not so much. So I'm just going to kind of dive right into what I love first. And, you know, those who have listened to other episodes about my journey regarding learning Icelandic, you know, it's a little bit of a complicated relationship, highs and the lows. And I hope that sharing my journey helps people to realize that, you know, it's often that this is not a linear process for learning anything. And it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to know that, you know, you enjoy some stuff and you don't enjoy others. So I'm going to list out five things explain a bit about each regarding loving and hating learning Icelandic. So for the first regarding loving it, whenever I go traveling with my partner or another Icelander or just anybody else who speaks the language, it's pretty fun to feel like you have a secret language together. And most people don't know Icelandic. I mean, there's what 367,000 people living in the country and then some odd thousands that live around the world. So the chances of you running into someone who understands Icelandic, kind of slim. Granted, it can happen. And I personally do not use this as a way to bash other people, but just like to practice and have fun. And also it's hilarious when some people are trying to eavesdrop and they just can't tell what you're saying. And they're just like also trying to place what can possibly be that language. I even had some people ask what you know, we were speaking at the time because they just couldn't help themselves. The second is I really enjoy the unusual sounds in Icelandic. So in some other episodes, I've talked about the double L, which if you clench your teeth together and kind of suck air, like this gives you this double L sound. So an example is Eldfet, and that is a mountain on Hema'e and the Western Islands. It's actually a volcano that you can hike up is really beautiful. So that's an example of that. And mimicking these sounds for me is just so much fun. And maybe because I didn't realize that I would take the pronunciation so seriously that it's become more of a game of trying to pronounce everything correctly, which for some people, you know, that perfectionist type of attitude can really wrap you up in this game of, you know, chasing your own tail. But for me, it's become more of an enjoyable thing, thankfully. The third is that you have tools to be able to read old Icelandic, which I think is pretty cool. So Icelandic has evolved, but very slowly and so much slower that it is definitely not an easy language in terms of the grammar. And even though it originally was from Old Norse, Old Norse became Old Icelandic and now you have modern day Icelandic still the fact that it evolves so slowly is that people who speak modern day Icelandic have the tools to be able to read Icelandic from the 12th century. You know, like it's just insane when you think about it. It's pretty cool. It isn't like just opening a regular book and reading it. 
I like to think of it as the equivalent of English speakers reading Shakespeare. It can be a little bit difficult to a degree around some of the things that they're saying or understanding the context, but you can do it. The fourth is that there's interesting insight into the culture by learning the language because there are so many different words for for fascinating things. Like weather is such an important topic here. And I loved learning the word this type of snow called Hunslapadriva. And it basically means snowflakes that are so big they're like the size of dog paws. <laughs> I just think it's really sweet. Or the name Snaitis which is a snow fairy or snow goddess. And it's just the translations of the words are fun. And the amount of words for snow are so many. The amount of words for wind are so many. I mean, we're talking over like 100 for each. And Icelanders just really like to describe the weather. But also, Tataratas, which is the unofficial slogan of Iceland, that means, in essence, everything will work out okay. And so that, too, is something that is often used here. And, you know, like I mentioned, like, you know, even proverbs and, and things of that nature just give insight into the culture. And I really enjoy kind of understanding culture more, as you know, since that's a part of what I showcase on the podcast and on other channels. So as I've learned different phrases or words, I feel like I just kind of get more connected to the way of thinking and living. Number five, in terms of what I love, is it is such a delight when I speak to someone who also speaks Icelandic or who grew up speaking it like a native, and they are delighted to hear that you are learning. Like the smile on people's faces is amazing. It's really sweet. And the encouragement or saying, you know, you speak really good Icelandic or something like that. It just is really nice because there, like I mentioned earlier, so many highs and lows to speaking this language. And for me, the journey has really sometimes felt like I just, I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and I think that came from the fact of like, it just wasn't this easy thing for me to pick up. In the beginning, it was actually quite quick. And then I just got to a plateau and with other things going on in my life, like work and even doing all things Iceland, it just felt like it was overwhelming to also be doing this and having aspects to it that were difficult. So whenever I encounter somebody and they're really encouraging or, you know, just also engaging with me back in Icelandic, I am grateful for it. It makes me enjoy it more and want to continue speaking and learning. All right, let's get on to the things that I hate about speaking or learning Icelandic. And again, just take that word with a big grain of salt. I do want to mention, though, that I do not at all think that learning English is necessarily easy. Granted, I have been speaking it all of my life, so it is harder for me to have the same type of understanding as a person who's learning English. But because I'm learning Icelandic, I at least have insight into the fact that learning a language can be difficult. So the things that I mention may or may not resonate with you if you have been learning a language, regardless if it's Icelandic or otherwise. But hopefully at least it's somewhat insightful and entertaining for you. <laughs> so the first off is definitely the most annoying, and that is the Icelandic grammar. So the reason why Icelandic grammar for many people, including myself, is annoying, is that it's complicated. And there are four cases in which nouns, adjectives, and pronouns can be declined 
into or, you know, when it depends on how you're speaking about the subject in essence. And so there are also genders. So there's several genders, including masculine, feminine, neutral. And then they also have another for people who are non-binary. And all of that kind of makes it up into this ball of soup where there can be so many possibilities for how you can change the word to make it appropriate for the conversation. And then also on top of that, the numbers from one to four, those change too. (laughs) So (laughs) trying to remember all of that and how it declines properly, depending on the case, is mind-boggling at times. It really can hurt your brain. In essence, it's, it's a memory thing, meaning like you're continuously using it and saying it and then you just put it into your memory. But there are exceptions to every rule too. So, you know, that also comes into play. But I was at one point some time ago, maybe a year or so ago, where I felt really overwhelmed by making so many mistakes that I just was trying my best to only make simple sentences and just not really put myself in a place where I could make a huge mistake. Not that anybody was discouraging me or anything, but... I just was being way too hard on myself. And I think many people can probably relate to just the self-criticism that we like put on ourselves and the way that we talk to ourselves that are not nurturing and not helpful. So that's something I've been working myself out of because it doesn't help me in any way, shape or form. And also it makes learning a Sunday not so fun when you're being so hard on yourself for making a mistake. But I want to give you an example, though. This is a pretty common example of a noun and how it can change in these four cases. So the four cases, by the way, are the nominative, accusative, dative, and genitive. In English, we do not have to worry about these. So that was also really interesting too, to kind of have like this lesson about grammar in a way that is present in other languages, not just Icelandic, but because English has been so much more simplified that, you know, we never really needed to learn it unless you were going to study languages and how they're formed. But The word I will use, the noun example, is a horse. So the nominative for a horse in Icelandic is hestur. And then the accusative, which is about a horse, is umhest. And then the dative from a horse, frau heste. And then to a horse, which is the genitive, til hest. So depending on how you're talking about this horse, it could be hestur, umhest, frau heste, or til hest. Whereas like a horse about a horse from a horse to a horse in English, horse always stays the same. Like the way you spell it <laughs> stays the same. But in Icelandic, it's, that's not the case. And yeah, and you might be able to already see how that could be frustrating. And then add in the fact that there's many words and that's just nouns. Like I mentioned, there's adjectives, pronouns, numbers, genders. Whew. <laughs> it's a lot. Number two, there are a decent amount of exceptions in Icelandic that can make it frustrating too. So this happens with nouns and verbs. Uh, It's not like a crazy amount, but it's enough where you think like, oh, yeah, I've totally got it. This noun fits into this noun group, right? And it's like, nah. (laughs) Or you're like, oh, yeah, I finally got it. Like this verb fits into this verb group. And it's like, actually, no, that one is the exception. You're like, what? (laughs) Why? (laughs) And so, you know, it's just this one is fun in a way it makes me laugh meaning it's not fun to be actually doing and encounter this but 
makes me laugh because when I ask my professor or teacher about it, and I'm like, why is this the case? Often there isn't a good reason. So this is another thing, like you can try to reason yourself into understanding Icelandic and that will also lead to chasing your tail and feeling exhausted. So my teacher will often say the phrase in Icelandic, afthibara, afthibara, which means just because. <laughs> so basically stop, stop trying to make any type of reasoning out of this rule just remember it and move on i don't know why that frustrates me but it does <laughs> number three for reasons why i hate learning Icelandic is that because of this grammar and i guess you know it ties into all of this i often found myself hesitant when i speak and like sounding like i'm asking a question because i'm not sure if what i'm saying is correct so an example is, if I was going to say, I went to Reykjavik, it's Jeg for til Reykjavikur, but I might actually say it like, Jeg for til Reykjavikur. Like, it's just because I'm like, I'm sort of want to ask the person when I'm speaking, but <laughs> I don't ask them. I'm just kind of saying like, hey, do you get that? I'm kind of not sure about how to decline this and they look at me like are you asking ask if you went to Reykjavik or what's the deal so I think that again just kind of is more about like an insecurity thing that came up and how it made me kind of shy away <laughs> sometimes wanting to say things because it could feel a little overwhelming but such is life all right number four is about homonyms in Icelandic and a good example of this, so homonym are words that sound exactly the same, but they have different meanings. And in Icelandic, the word au, this is like a classic example. I'll read the sentence. Bondin au, 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 au. That is a real sentence in Icelandic, okay? <laughs> I'm not making this up at all. And in essence, and what it translates to, it's not even in essence, it is what it translates to. The farmer at a place called Owl has an ewe, so a female sheep, by a river. So Owl means that this person owns something, this, this farmer, that there's a name of a place, an ewe, and by a river. So it has like also ownership, ownership of this ewe by a river. And it's like... Great. <laughs> now, okay, of course, this is more of an extreme example, but OW stands for a lot of things in Icelandic. And of course, there's other homonyms. I know people are thinking the same thing in English. I agree. Like I said, I grew up learning it, so it doesn't feel the same way, even though I can very much understand that it's not easy for people. So I guess in this journey, I am you know, definitely getting more insight on, into how this can be so unforgiving feeling <laughs> or just frustrating. And last one for what I hate <laughs> is that sometimes Icelanders, when you're trying to practice speaking to them, they may be trying to practice their English or they want to be like, you know, helpful to you. So you say something in Icelandic and they talk back in English. Yeah. If you're pretty sensitive about it, it can hurt your feels and you can end up you know, feeling discouraged. And I think, again, this kind of comes back to insecurity thing. Not everyone is trying to say that you suck at the language just because they spoke back to you in Icelandic. Maybe they heard an accent. A lot of Icelanders are not used to hearing accents. So 
this is something that's necessary, I believe, you know, for Icelanders to kind of get used to just because there are so many foreigners living in the country and it will only continue to be more of them. And so Icelandic sounds are changing in a way in terms of how people who can communicate well maybe just don't have the pronunciation down to the point where they sound exactly like an Icelander, you know, who's been living in the country and speaking the language their whole life would sound. I mean, granted, there's also people that just think you might suck at the language. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I only said that just because it's happened. In my mind, I've thought that before, but that's not, I don't think, the case the majority of people. But one thing to combat this, I found, is just letting people know that you're practicing speaking and they usually are open to it. Of course, it might not be the case if you're at, say, the grocery store and it's a long line or whatever, but it is still worth, I think, trying to let people know how you're feeling uh, about speaking and most of the time people are, are accommodating most of the time Icelanders you know or people who speak the language are accommodating all right on to the random fact of the episode so there's been a big discussion really recently in the news about the learning of Icelandic and how important it is and Erikur who is a professor emeritus of Icelandic linguistics in Iceland, wrote an article that he would like unions to push for employers to bear the cost of teaching foreign employees Icelandic. I 1000% agree with this just because it's hard when you are working all day long and, you know, you have only so much money to, and Iceland is expensive to live and, you know, pay all these taxes and whatever else. So if you want your employees to really be up and integrated into the culture because I've worked at two companies in Iceland and each one of them very strong you know presence of Icelanders meaning like a lot of them working there and there was also a lot of expectation of Icelandic in meetings meaning if you're not speaking it you're still listening to it and imagine being in a meeting for like an hour and you don't speak Icelandic, your brain just like feels like it's melting because it's such a foreign language. You really are just overwhelmed. So I was actually going to classes after work, paying for them myself. And of course, the union does pay a percentage back, a large amount actually. But if it had been the case where like my employer, first of all, had been encouraging me to do it and being like, hey, we're going to cover this because we really value that because we value as an employee and we feel like you learning would even be like there's an hour out of your day where you can go and do this. You know, I would have been even more enthusiastic about it, to be honest. I mean, I was pretty enthusiastic to begin with, but I think it just kind of shows that this is important to Iceland. And in other places, I believe it's in like Denmark and Sweden, like they have these integration of learning the language, specifically Sweden. And that to me is like so refreshing to see. And a lot of the time... Iceland is competing or like trying to stay up with what other Nordic countries are doing. So hopefully this is something that ends up changing and becomes more integrated because it is so important. And Icelanders really love their language and they want to preserve it. And this is definitely one way to do that. So, and also another kind of quote from him from a article in MBF where he actually wrote in Icelandic, but it's just, I'm going to write, I'm going to read it in English. So he says, we are used to being a monolingual nation. It's been a while since there were very few foreigners here. In the past, there were merchants and officials who spoke strange Icelandic and people made fun of it. Icelanders are not used to people learning Icelandic and not speaking it perfectly. 
what I, and he's just, you know, saying this from his perspective, what I was saying is that we just have to get used to it because it's quite clear that the number of foreigners will continue to increase here. There's nothing to suggest otherwise. It has been demonstrated that people are needed for work in the coming years. That's another thing. Uh, Iceland is just changing. The last time, statistics-wise, I saw about the amount of foreigners living in Iceland, it was like 15% of the nation, of the population. And that's a large percentage, and that's only growing. So, yeah, hopefully there's steps that are taken. I'm all for it, and I'm excited about seeing what kind of resources potentially come out of these discussions for people of foreign origin, including children, because there's curriculum for them, but not every school has maybe all the resources or the same approach. And that can vary, meaning like how I, how children of foreign origin learn Icelandic when they go to school here. And of course, the Icelandic words of the week. So because I'm talking about love and hate, <laughs> it's going to be love and hate. And that is hata for hate. So if you ever need to say, I hate you, I hope you never do. That's just a strong, sad word, I think, or phrase to have to say to someone. And if you love something, it's elska. If you want to say I love you, it's yeg elska big. If you've enjoyed this episode and you have the ability to leave a review, like a written review, wherever you're listening to this on, I greatly appreciate it. It helps other people to be able to find the podcast and learn more about Iceland hear about experiences for myself, from other individuals. I do have some more interviews that are coming up, so I'm excited about that. And of course, all the adventure, nature, culture, language types of content that I make. I'm always excited about dipping into these different topics and sharing them with all of you. So I, I greatly appreciate any reviews that you leave and ratings. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.